Hello, and welcome to episode 120 of Flicks in a Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me forever and always, the man, the myth, the flu, Alessandro Bielsi. Say hello, Al. Just want to take this moment to say rest in peace to Alexis and Ted's love. Oh, no, it was so sad. That, I was not expecting things to get that I, real. I got very emotional in that episode of Shit's Creek, for sure. On this week's episode, Disney trades Bob's, the Matrix explodes into the streets of San Francisco, the Batman drops from set photos, and other news and nuggets, all before diving into our flick of the week, eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. But first, Al, what are we drinking? We're drinking from our beloved Jack's Abbey and their craft loggers. The Hoponius Union IPL, which thankfully I'm able to read better than at, I am. At able least to you type. can say it. <laughs> yeah. It's the original Hoppy Lager. Um, it is 15 degrees Play-Doh. It is 6.5% alcohol by volume. There are 65 IBUs. It is unfiltered and unpasteurized. Hoponius Union is the original Hoppy Lager. Since 2011, our flagship has been satisfying taste buds by harmoniously combining the bright citrus notes of West Coast hops with a classic lager finish. Enjoy, share, and live hoponiously. Hashtag. Your- Sorry, what's up? Can you call yourself the original hoponius lager? The original hoppy lager? That- I'm assuming that it means it's their original okay, okay. hoppy lager. Um, but you cut me off right before saying hashtag drink lager, which is <laughs> their thing. That's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Uh, let's give the sucker a taste. Oh, actually, before we do, uh, are you you're not dealing with the same situation I have here? There's like a there's like a sponge floating uh, on the top of my beer. You know, my head was pretty thick when I first poured it, and then it quickly went down to manageable levels. So uh, maybe it's because I have a wider aperture here. Oh, uh, could be, could be. All right, let's give the sucker a try. I wish I could smell it, but my flu nose won't work. <laughs> Speaking of flu nose. Uh, when we get to the movie later, my my flu brain was not was not having that movie. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, I'm gonna have thoughts when we get there. Uh, thankfully, I can taste it because this is, is this does taste like the original Hoppy Lager. Yeah, it's 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 better than I remember it. This was another one of those ones that I had before. Like uh, this was one of the ones that I shared with Al, and I had it. Like I, th- I think it came in a six pack, which I feel like for the are, are there four cans usually? Are there tall cans usually in four packs? Um, no, it, it depends on the beer. Um, some of them come in six, some of them come in four. Mm. So I had, I had one of them like right away and it just like wasn't really doing anything for me. I could have just been uh, that I wasn't in the mood for that flavor, but it's, it's good. Yeah. I wouldn't say this is my favorite of theirs, but it's sure. definitely good. I mean, yeah, it, it's, uh, there's not, it's not doing anything like wrong. We've said that their baseline, their least good beer that we've done of the... Now, this is probably the eighth one of theirs that we've done in 120 episodes. Yeah. Um, their least good one was still... This is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, this one probably seats somewhere right in the middle of that list for me. Yeah. Um, quite solid. I would say something along the lines of, you know, maybe a 3.75, 3.5. Yeah, it's, it's, it's lower on the Abbeys for me, but it's, it's still, like you said, better it's, than... It's true. I'm grading it harshly because I'm comparing it to some of the lovely ones. Even though we made a few weeks ago, the Framing Hammer was really mm-hmm. good. Framing Hammer was 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 very nice. Um, but I mean, like even even now, I'm not I'm not upset because no. Jack's Abbey doesn't disappoint. Never. It's just it's they, either they wouldn't know how to if they tried. It's either good or it's fantastic. Yes. It's the I, we haven't found one 
that's fall. We didn't find one that fell below that, did we? I don't. I don't want to find one below. That. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, we'll keep an eye out. It just means that we have to drink more Jack's Abbey. I think it's fun. Yeah. Can we? Can we go there? Can, let's just go there. Can it's we a, make it, them the unofficial a, sponsor of the show? I feel like we've we've fallen off with Newberg. Oh well, more on that soon because <laughs> there's a Newberg that's in our hopper currently. Dun dun dun. Ah, uh, hopper. <laughs> uh, I don't know. This is in Massachusetts, Framingham, Massachusetts. We'll make it happen. Let's take a road trip. We'll get out there. So Ooh, do a little can, brewery tour. To, we, say we can do a little Manhattan, uh, Manhattan, uh, Massachusetts brewery tour. We could hit uh, Jackson Abbey. We could hit Treehouse. Flicks in a six. Awesome brew venture. Ooh. Yeah, we'll do that. That's a, that's a, that sounds fun. It does sound fun. We'll make that happen. We should get somebody else so that we can actually do one really long day and have like a designated person to drive, and we can record. On the way between breweries. Ah. Yes, yes. Yes. I think we should have Gianna. It's going to be an editing and logistical nightmare. <laughs> I want you to know that right now. <laughs> uh, I don't care. Um, <laughs> we'll have Gianna do it. She's not 21 for a couple more months. Perfect. She's one of our frequent um, guest stars, so she can come on. You know, she can shout at us from the front of the car while she's escorting us. That sounds good. Um, this way she work. can be on the episode even though she can't drink. She's the perfect one because it'll remove temptation. That's true. That's true. All right. Jack Sabby never disappoints. Shall we dive into some news and nuggets? Let us shall. Uh, let's start off with a with a. I mean, it's just it's just generally big news because he's been around for a while. But Bob Iger stepping down as CEO from Disney. So I don't know if I had a weird dream about this or if there was a rumbling like of this being potential. But I thought I heard this several weeks ago that he was planning on stepping down. But everyone acted like it was big news that he stepped down the other day. Maybe it was just big news because of they named his replacement immediately. I think the reason that it was more jarring was that a few weeks... I don't know if it was a few weeks back or even more so, but um, he was planning to retire in 2021. Oh, was that what and it was? There was, like, there was an abrupt him stepping down from CEO and he's going into this uh, like executive chairman role until then. Yeah. So, okay. So I'm not crazy. From what then, I was, yeah, you're not crazy. Um, it, it did, and then all like, yeah, because I, I remember hearing it, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh my god, this is crazy. But it's like I don't think it's that crazy, and we'll get into that because I've got a, I've, I've got some some thoughts on this. But uh, a couple of interesting facts. Um, I, th- there was like a quick interview that I read with him. Uh, it just seemed he felt like it was like the right time. The big projects that were on his plate were behind him: the merger of Fox and uh, Disney, the launch of Disney Plus. Uh, and uh, he's still going to be there for the next uh, year or so, and like just kind of that make it makes more sense. It's less abrupt for a CEO to just drop out than it is for him to step down and phase out. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that I'm curious, about, well, uh, which is also he's replaced by another Bob, Bob Chapek. Well, I'm and, I'm thinking it's funny we went from an Eisner to an Iger, and then from a Bob to a Bob. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now all I can think about are the Bobs. Yeah. And I, I just Bob hope Slidell that at some Bob, point... Uh, what's, I, always, I always remember Bob Slidell. I always forget the other Bob. <laughs> uh, I, don't remember the, I don't remember his last name. I just, I just remember. I, I, have, I got a meeting with the Bobs. That's, <laughs> and that's what I'm picturing here. I hope at least, somebody at Disney had to be saying that, right? Oh, sorry, like, guys. I got, a, I got a meeting with the Bobs to handle transition, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, he was the previous chairman of Disney Parks. I don't know that this... I, I'm really kind of curious in a, in a company that is that big 
and that established how I'm sure like the job is important. I'm sure that there's a lot that that person does. I'm just curious how much of an impact that has on the overall company when it seems to be a well-oiled machine. Yeah. Um, it's funny too, because I was thinking, I was like, man, he's done such a great job. Like, why would he step down? Then I was like, you know. Because he did such a great job. <laughs> yeah, he did such a great job. What else is there really to accomplish? There's and like, that Seinfeld episode of going out on top. Well, that's what it is. It's going out on top. It's, you know, there's going to be kind of like the Pax Romana for several years now because, like, what what do they have else to worry about for the next few years? The Fox right. thing was the only tenuous thing, really, because it was going on for several years. The streaming thing, you know, was, was important and there was a lot of moving parts to it or whatever. And it yeah. exists now and, you know, actual content that people are going to care about will be coming... Along the lines, you know, I would say up until mm-hmm. now, the Mandalorian at launch was really the only thing that anyone cared about. Um, right. But the Marvel shows and then more Star Wars shows and other shows are going to be coming online in the next year. And so, like, there's not really much to worry about with that. It, yeah, it's like, I, like, you helped lay this incredible groundwork. You guys can take it from here. Yeah, it's a very <laughs> peaceful time to, you know, it's not like a wartime transferal of power. You know, there's a mm-hmm. lot of time for the next guy to come in and, you know... Learn the role, feel out the role. Yeah, absolutely, it feels like it feels like a smart move on that yeah. part. Like to do it that way. Like I said, even even though it's a well-oiled machine, I assume I assume I don't I don't actually know. Um, but you gotta imagine that if that if a figurehead or the per, or that person who I'm assuming is still doing a lot just leaves like completely, then it's like a, it's disruptive. What's well, the type of thing where it, it only affects people at the executive level, right? Like, that's the, true. The day to day, unless people, there's a moral, moral morale impact that he ha- will have. Like, I don't know how uh, it seems feel like, about him that work there. I was say it, it would seem like the Disney culture would kind of preclude that. Mm. I'm not saying it's perfect, but it it is what Walmart pretends it is as far as like the culture of everyone working there. Like, from what I understand, I mean, like you have to work hard if you work at Disney. But from what I understand, they do take care of their people. Like, they do offer a lot of, like, things for them. I knew someone, I didn't know her well, but I knew someone who did a couple of summers working at Disney. And, like, there's a lot of opportunity there. Like, they do actually act like it's a family, it seems like. Yeah, so, yeah a buddy um, of mine works on one of the engineering teams, and he's a... Uh... He was just telling me about like some of the perks there. It's, yeah, like really they pay sweet. for college. You know, like everyone who works there gets, you know, like uh, a certain amount of like you know free passes for themselves, mm-hmm. family stuff like that, parking, yep. all that sort of stuff. Um, and there's other stuff too, I think. So you know, it's and like you can move anywhere within the company. I think like if you work for Disney and you want to go do something else, like there's a lot of ability to move laterally and vertically that's cool yeah i'd like to hear that i yeah i have i've only heard from a couple of folks that have worked there and i've never and from the, uh, <laughs> i hear a lot of shitty things about where people work and it's rare that you don't hear anything and I, that's usually a good thing <laughs> but like here i've actually heard positive things about it yeah yeah so, like i'm sure it's not perfect there's no such thing as the perfect yeah. thing but it's for a company that huge you know it's easy to just expect them to treat you like essentially slaves and it doesn't yeah. seem like that's the case like they, like like they, they do don't expect, need you yeah like they do yeah. expect you to work really hard i think but like like 
I think they pay reasonably well, and there are perks. They they do seem to extend some quality of life things. So, well, in that case, all the best to the Bobs. Um, why don't you? What do you got? You got you got a couple? How many sure. You got? On the topic of Disney, let's go into some Ooh. Star Wars news. We are Star always Wars. ready for Star Wars news. So, did you see the High Republic? You know what? Trailer? You know what's. I, I oh no no I didn't see the I didn't see the trailer I was gonna say I actually uh I've been kind of enjoying stepping away from the Star Wars news in waiting for you to tell me about it because I enjoy you I enjoy you unveiling the news to me. <laughs> okay, so there was a trailer that came out a couple of days ago which I totally missed because the world around me has ceased to exist for the last four days, and um I we had talked several weeks ago about how. The High Republic seemed like the era that they were going to. There were some rumblings, and it seemed like they were talking about doing maybe some interconnected movies or something like that. So mm-hmm. Star Wars released a... Tra- I'll call it a trailer lightly, because that's how it's named, but it wasn't really a trailer for anything, um, so much as an opportunity for a lot of people working at Lucasfilm to talk about what's coming next, or one of the many things that are coming next. So The High Republic is going to be an era that's going to be focused on a lot coming up. But it, this trailer actually was announcing a series of interconnected novels, short stories, comics, all sorts of stuff that's coming out about that mm. era in time, which I expect will be support for a movie to come after yeah, it Slash seems that alongside way. that. Um, and we, we know that there are several movies that have been greenlit, even though we don't necessarily get, we don't have any sort of title, casting, any sort of specific news on them. Um, and I have another news uh, about that as well in a minute. But there was this whole trailer in which they had a whole bunch of different authors and, you know, people who work at Lucasfilm, like someone like Pablo Hidalgo, who we've mentioned in the past before, mm-hmm. who's in the Lucasfilm Story Group. A bunch of other people talk about this. They just hired a ton of authors and artists and everything to have them get together and just pitch a million ideas and the ones that they loved, they're just letting people write, run with it. Hmm. And it's like an incredibly diverse group of authors and all this sort of stuff and it's just, you know, there's going to be like more adult-focused novels, like more like younger novels, there's going to be comics from Marvel, there's going to be comics from IDW and all of this is going to be supporting this time called The High Republic which is a few hundred years before the events of the prequel trilogy. And it's going to be kind of when the Republic is at its highest point. That's kind of cool. That I always I enjoy that space in the Star Wars universe because like there's they're free to do a lot of wacky things and like different things and like because you can you can have whole storylines that resolve and bef- like without even like if you want to just kind of work within the universe and not tie into existing stuff. Like, you could tie into some politics or history, but you could have a whole storyline that start to finish in that time frame because they're doing it because it's hundreds of years before. Yeah. and um, That's pretty cool. And, and, you know, it's a different time than most of what we've seen. There's always been war or turmoil or civil mm-hmm. war or whatever. Um, this is a period of relative peace um, within the Republic. Uh, and so like the Jedi have a very different role in which they are truly the peacekeepers that they've espoused themselves being. Right. Oh, that's interesting. I definitely, I, I'll, I'll dive into something when it comes out. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to be you know, unveiling over the course of the next couple of years. The first of these things I think is a novel comes out sometime this summer. Hmm. Okay. I gotta say, I, I, I told you earlier, like earlier in the year, I started reading, um, the, one of the throne books, one of the newer Zahn Thrawn books that, like, is canon. And it's 
it's very good. Uh, the story's okay. He, him as a character, he's an awesome character. So it's like it's fun to follow along. It's just I hit a wall in it, and I, I and you know that only recently, within the past like year and a half, two years, I've gotten I've been trying to get into reading because I don't read much. Yeah, and uh, I think it's gonna take me a while to find like a groove of like books or authors that I really like because I have a feeling that's that's probably what's hurting me a little bit right now is that like I'm reading this book and like it, it was like I was really into it when it started. And it's, I mean, I guess like a movie, right? It it just hitting this pacing loop of like rise and fall, and it's like it gets it drags out, and then if you really think about it, it's like it seems like the same exact thing has happened over and over again for the past like ten chapters, and it's just like I feel like I'm I'm on a loop and I'm like stuck, and like instead of being excited to pick it up and finish it, I'm just like it feels like a chore. I can't say I've ever experienced that in a book before. Mm. <laughs> Maybe um, it's because in my mind I play it out while oh, I'm reading okay. it like a movie. Like I direct the entire thing. <laughs> like, for me, I actually find sometimes the opposite can be a problem where I mm. do get into the groove of an author and I read a bunch of their stuff and then I find it jarring to move to the next. Mm. I'm yeah, to, well, I, I'm, used I'm to certain still points. in the one book. It's not even like I've moved on to another one. I just got like, I got, I just got slowed down. See, I hit for, the quicksand, Al. <laughs> for me, I. It's the first several chapters that take me a while. And then once I get that person's voice, I cruise through it. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I guess that's that's funny that you say that. I'm reading it much faster when I read it, but I'm picking it up like at there's longer intervals between me picking it up again because I'm just like, I'm not looking forward to it. It's kind of a bummer. Yeah, that, that's so. that's pretty weird, actually. So we'll see. Well, I'll I'll finish it off, but I don't think I'm gonna actually. I don't know that I'm gonna continue with the series. Uh okay. So. Well, unless um, unless that, it like gets awesome by the end. <laughs> well, I I mean I know that the Thrawn series is one of the most beloved. So. Mm. Well, the the original stuff was. I don't know about. I don't know what the reception is for this for these books. Okay. So. All right, well, keeping with yeah. the Star Wars stuff, because yeah. I have one other Star Wars new. Um, this story is actually from almost a week ago, um, and I haven't looked to see if there's substantial follow-ups, because the other things I've seen about it were basically just parroting this. Um, yeah. New Star Wars movies in development with Slate director uh, and Luke Cage writer. This, was, this original reporting was on Variety, I believe. Hmm. Lucasfilm's developing a new Star Wars feature film with Slate director J.D. Dillard and Luke Cage writer Matt Owens. Variety is confirmed. Project still Slate. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> that doesn't bode well. <laughs> it's, it's it's spelled like like or I guess slight. It's it's spelled like sleight of hand. Sleight okay. of hand. Sleight of hand. Slate sleight of hand. The project's still in its very early Basinger? stages. What's up? Basinger. Basinger. Yeah. Basinger. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and all further details, characters, location, time period within the Star Wars creative galaxy remains a mystery. That. Includes whether D- Dillard would direct the film or whether the project would premiere in th- theaters on Disney Plus, or on Disney Plus. Hmm. Um, should the project land a green light, however, it would be the first time black filmmakers were led creative were lead creative forces behind a live action Star Wars movie. Uh, the murkiness of the platform for this prospective new Star Wars project, meanwhile, only further clouds the future of Star Wars at Disney. Um, and then they go on to say how Ryan Johnson still supposed to do a new suite of them. Kevin Feige's developing one. 
and the screenwriter Leia Caligridis. Yeah, Caligridis. <laughs> I never remember how to say her name, but her, um, who had done Altered Carbon, which I haven't had a chance to start watching because actually, technically, it came out today. So, yeah. Oh. Anyway, um, Star Wars movies, including this new one that's been greenlit and we'll see where it goes and we still don't know which one's going to be first one of them is supposed to be in theaters like next year like a year and a half from, no well, almost two really? years from now december okay. of 2021 that makes sense that gives us time i think that that's interesting do you uh, yeah do you think this this movie that we're talking about now do you think it's going to be a streaming movie i have no idea they don't hmm. seem to know i haven't heard anything saying one way or the other um, I didn't think they were going to do streaming movies anytime soon. I thought that they were going to do live action shows and live mm. action movies. I'm very curious about the logistics of filming a movie and, and just releasing it on like a streaming platform and like how, I don't know. I, I'm just curious, like how that works, like how with money. <laughs> I've always been confused, but I mean, so I think the way it basically works is they, because some of these movies are shot and like they think they're going to have conventional distribution and then that falls through mm-hmm. and then like Netflix will buy it or something like that. Right. Um, although Netflix has obviously uh, done their own from start to finish as have other, even like HBO for years has done stuff like that. Um, like that movie All the Way that came out a few years ago. Hmm. Um, but I think with this case where one is made and then it gets shot to these, like they come up with some sort of arrangement where it's like they have a certain amount of studio funding and it's like, hey, you're going to have to make up the rest of it elsewhere. And so then Netflix or whatever like puts in a bid and I imagine it's probably tiered basically saying, we're guaranteeing you X amount. If you hit, you know, a certain amount of viewership, we'll give more, blah, 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 like et cetera. Mm-hmm. I imagine there's got to be some sort of tiered schedule. But um, the, the original starting point is I think it's, partially financed through whatever traditional means and then it's a guarantee by whatever streaming platform to get a certain amount no matter what and then there's probably options to get higher yeah i'm just like i'm curious about all of it like the when you are releasing like or or even if you're in a situation where you can have that conversation like there's certain movies that right that they're going to make that people are going to make and they're they're going to go to theaters there's no question about it Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's these these things that sit in the middle where they have to make that choice. And I'm kind of curious, like, what are some of the other factors that go into it? Like, how much does it cost to distribute to theaters? How much, like, I, I'm just, I don't know any of this information and I'm very curious about it. So I went to a, uh, I went, I, I went to another advanced screening last night. Um, I can't talk about the movie, but the process I'm interested in. And uh, so we get a survey. When you go in, actually, this one was actually really cool because I have a very, I, th- I think I understand what they did with this one because there were two lines and two different ticket colors. And I have a strange feeling that one of the movies had a different ending. And the reason being is you get a survey when you go in and you fill out half the survey. Then you watch the movie and you fill out the other half of the survey. And a lot of the questions had to do with, like, specifically with how did you feel about the end? Did it make sense? Did it leave you wanting more? Like like things like that. And like had you fill in freeform information on it. There was a there was a point during the end of the movie where it cut and we like I turned to Kim and thought like it could have been over and it would have been like 
that would have been fine. Like, it, it would have been fine like that. And then there was more, and it was better that way. And I have a feeling that the other theater didn't get that, and that we're going to have that, like... Oh. I think it actually ended there for them. Um, ma- mainly because they seem to have gotten out at the same time, and I know that they started later. <laughs> so, ah, so, so that's that's part of it. But anyway, it's... Uh, so, like, one of the questions at the very end was how do you feel about... Uh, what like, does it change your opinion if this if this movie was to say like buy Hulu on it? And I was like, interesting. Does that mean that they are they did do it and they are hiding their name because they are afraid that it's gonna like sh- like project a, a lower quality or or it's it's probably like Hulu has an offer on the table and they're deciding whether to take exactly. That money. And then they were the the follow up question was like, should this movie be seen in theaters, in theaters and streaming, streaming only, or not at all? <laughs> I was like, damn, jeez. Well, uh, but, I guess that's probably an important thing. Like, yeah, huh, maybe we shouldn't bother wasting the money. Like, it's yeah, uh, it's 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 it is interesting. Um, I don't think there's a I, the the movies. It's it was good. It's gonna come out. Can't, oh, okay. But I think so. Uh, I have a feeling it's going to be one of those ones that we're, we're going to be waiting for a while before we do it. So, like, I feel like maybe six to eight months, and then we'll finally be able to do it. <laughs> but we'll, we'll see. Now, was this... Or are you allowed to say who was in this movie? Not really. Oh, because you told me. I t- I well, was... I can't... Yeah, exactly. The thing is, you're not... You're technically not allowed to go if you're in so- sort of, like, entertainment outlet. But we're not paid. <laughs> so, like, we're, we're, uh, we're so, I mean, I, you sign an NDA to not discuss it through social media or other platforms. Ah, I could so talk this, to this you directly. This is definitely a platform, okay. But, exactly. So, I can't tell you about <laughs> the movie here. But, okay, it was... I, was I, I had a very specific question that I can't <laughs> ask now that I will ask once we stop recording. Fair Which enough. you'll have understood why I was asking it because it pertains to an episode we've <laughs> makes, done in the past. Makes sense. See if you could also write that question down and then we'll circle back to it when we actually do the movie because it will be a movie that we do. Well, by the time the movie comes out, I will have the answer I'm looking for. And I, the thing Next. is, I think I already have the answer, but you texted me about it the other day and I have almost no memory of it other than who was starring in the movie. So Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But uh, yeah, if you if you get a chance to do those things, um, if you saw see any like survey things to fill out to get tickets to these things, they're really fun. It's like it's a great night out. It's like it's a free see, movie. I, I would say I've never seen you've gone to a bunch of these things. I've yeah. never seen like or heard of the opportunity to do one of these things. Well, every once in a while, when I see those little surveys, if I have time, I usually do try and do them. Because every once in a while, you'll get, even if it's like, oh, random drawing and like a gift card. It's like, okay, my five yeah. bucks is worth like a $100 gift card, whatever. Um, or it's like, oh, that's on a product that I really like. So, you know what? I will give my time to do it because I don't know what assholes are doing it typically. And right. I like good things. So, so like, the the also, if you know anybody, like, I'll take you to one when, the net, like, if, if it ever works out date-wise that we can go together. But, like, because uh, I get a lot of them. The yeah. problem is I can't always go because they're usually at a time and that they're in the city and I'm not going to make it for like the for the cutoff, mm. which is a kind of annoying. This one happened to be in Jersey, which made it way easier for me. But uh, it's interesting, though, because there was there's one that I signed up for. Um, I think it was GoFobo screenings or something like that. And I just like I signed up for it and I got maybe like one hit over the years. 
This other one, the one that I usually, the ones that I go to, I get every couple of months, there's a, there's usually one that comes in. And it's interesting because I don't know how that, like, I don't, I never saw a thing to sign up for that one. What happened was I, my friend took me to one. And when you mm. go, you have to sign in and you give ah. them your email. And then they're like, do you like this? And I said, yes. And then I just kept getting more of them. <laughs> nice. But yeah, forgetting Sarah Marshall was a, was a great way to kick that off. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, like I said, if you ever get any chance, a chance to do those things, you should totally do them. Like, fun night out, uh, free movie. And it's also like everybody's like everybody's there to have a good time. Like everybody like they want to have fun. It's I don't know. There's a different vibe than paying to see a movie. Well, I would certainly hope you wouldn't go to that like like well, just to bash it. Like, <laughs> cynically. Yeah. Like I would hope you yeah. wouldn't go there cynically. Yeah. Like they want honest feedback. Uh, and uh, I, I mean, a lot of it seems like it's probably just for marketing decisions of like, what part of this should we promote to get the most people interested in it? Like that type of thing. Uh, in certain situations, it is um, like that information will severely impact the direction of the movie. Like when I saw a sausage party, like the movie wasn't even remotely done. Like yeah. with wireframes. Uh, so like that's kind of interesting too. This one felt like it was marketing materials and not sure how we want like the ending to be done. It's funny though, because you like you said, oh, if this said, you know, by Hulu, would it affect... The thing is, I do get affected by those things, and I, right or wrong, I don't know if it's right or wrong. Mm -hmm. Like you know, if I hear like you know, oh, like this is like an Amazon movie, I'm like, eh, I could probably wait. Yeah, no, I'm I, I'm with you. I get the same way. Or it's yeah, not, like you said, Hulu or whatever. Um, the I think the only one that I didn't get that was Death of Stalin. It was like an IFC movie, mm. and I was like, if I if it didn't have Armando Iannucci doing it, I would have had no interest in seeing that movie really um but because i was in the middle of watching veep and i was totally on with his like style i was like yeah i get i'll give this a shot like that show and like <laughs> fucking steve buscemi and all that like i'll do it yeah yeah oh for sure it is it's it's interesting how um like the brand recognition is obviously a thing right there's people that get paid a lot of money for that yeah uh, and it's until you sit back and actually think about it, you don't realize how much it does affect your opinion. Yeah, I, it, I am aware of my biases with that, uh, with certain things. I'm sure there's a couple things for me that's, that slipped through the cracks that I'd really have to think about. But for the most part, I'm aware of my biases with that, for better or worse. Mm -hmm. I have this interest. I, I'm always kind of curious about like something like, oh, let's say McDonald's, right? There's... Mm -hmm. Ads upon ads. They're on billboards. They're on buses. They're on TV. They're everywhere. They're in the movie theater. They're like they're printed on everything that you walk past. Like they're all over the place, and it does not affect me at all. I still don't want it, and I'm curious how. Like I, I'm curious of like how much of an effect it has for something that big that is so ubiquitous. I have a very prescient story about that. For after we're done recording. <laughs> okay, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> but no, it's it's it is very interesting. Moving on to other news and nuggets, I've got a silly little one here. Uh, Matrix Four is filming, mm -hmm. and they're blowing up a few times recently. They're blowing up the streets of San Francisco. Nice. So that's that's the first headline that I saw. That this this is this is one of those ones where I had to keep looking because I was so curious as to how bad is this, <laughs> right? So one of the headlines. 
was uh, yeah was blowing up the streets of San Francisco. The other one was uh, explosions rattle San Francisco during the filming of The Matrix. Uh, I was like, what like what happened? And then I finally found one that was just like a very weak headline of like two thousand dollars worth of plastic damage. And I was like, gotta read this one. This one seems to have <laughs> the facts. <laughs> and it was it was basically well, it certainly that- has a fact. It, it was it was basically that like they're they're filming a stunt there was an explosion like and fire being used uh and like these there were these plastics on signs that were melted and some street lamps and stuff like that uh from the heat which makes sense yeah. and it's like it was about two thousand dollars worth of and it's like it's like literally like it's like not even remotely a big deal it's not even a small deal it's not even a deal it's just that it made a headline, and one of them I had to dive in and read further on it because it was talking about how cars were flipping over and all this stuff. And I was like, what? what? <laughs> and then I found another one that explained the scene that was shot. And in the scene, cars are flipping over, not due, not an accident due to the explosion of the special effects. And I was just like, what? This is ridiculous. Like, this is just all out there. It's all over the place, and it just it bothered me so much. And then when I saw that headline, I was like, "Melted plastic seems like what actually happened." <laughs> so this is funny because this is reminding me of like the type of thing where, and it's not like a nefarious thing, more so than like it's just sometimes there's that situation of broken telephone that happens. Oh, a hundred percent. When like a story picks up, because last week when I saw this news about the Star Wars movie getting greenlit. The original story, in the body of the story, the guy who broke it wrote, like, the details are currently being kept in the darkness on the planet Exegol, just making a Star Wars joke. Mm-hmm. And then another publication picked it up and said, new Star Wars movie greenlit to take place on Exegol. Oh my god. <laughs> and it's like... And so like the original writer go, went back guys. and like retweeted it and like, guys, this is not how this works. Go back and read it. You were skimming. It was a joke. I made a joke. <laughs> that's that's got to be really funny to be the source and be like, oh boy. <laughs> you know, I've been taken is, out of context. <laughs> this is that scene from the newsroom. Uh-huh. You remember the scene where Don is the source for that bombshell report and it Mm -hmm. was him making a joke making an off-color joke sarcastically on the record or off the record to someone and it was picked (laughs) up as an on the record scandal like scandalous scoop and he's like trying to get the guy on the on the line and the guy's like you know uh i just said i i heard it from someone else you know you weren't the source he goes i made that thing up as a joke (laughs) (laughs) I I think about that show a lot. Like it, it pops into my head like every couple of days, and it's just I really need to rewatch it. It was so good, and the specifically the scene that pops into my head is when Don can't get the chair up, and he's just sitting at like low at the desk with his arms on it, and like that is just that like it's so I it, that, I just love that. It's so charming. <laughs> that might have been the same episode. Oh, is it? <laughs> From the second season, that was the one where he got the new chair with the big, grippy rolling wheels. And the wheels are too big and they keep flipping over because, like, the, the, the center of gravity is too high. 
Oh my god. It, I think you know that what? might be the same episode because that's the episode where Sloane is. It's the one where Sloane's ex put the pictures, the nude pictures okay. online. And she's hanging out in his office the whole time. Mm hmm. Because I think she that's the same thing. There's like she's hanging out while he's trying to deal with that crisis at one point. Right. That sounds that that sounds like it might be right. It's just so funny to me. Like that show was able to do so many clever things, like writing wise and storytelling wise. And then in the midst of all of that, this stupid slapstick thing with this chair that is just so funny. It's so the funny. Best, that was you're right. That that was a, a good example. I think the best example was the one where <coughs> where Max X is in profiling the show. And there's the whole tension thing where you find out, oh, it's Max's ex, uh, it's Max X, and so that's where there's tension. But also, it's the one that she specifically cheated on him with, and Will knows it. But Will is the one who invited him, and it's like, what is he trying to prove and accomplish? And then he's in there, like, getting in like barbs at both of them, and she's like. You know, he's, you know, he's real, he struggles, and it's following up a joke that you think it's a joke that Will's making earlier, and he goes, what is it about this specific pair of pants where I go to put the pants on, <laughs> and I put my right leg in the pants, and then I go to put my leg, my left leg in, and I'm certainly aiming for the left pant leg, and it always goes into the right pant leg, and both my legs are in the same pant leg, and the tailor is going, like, what the hell is wrong with you? Mm -hmm. Do you just not get pants? And he's like, no, 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 all of their pants are fine. It's this pair of pants, and I want to know what exactly about them is different. I'm not saying there's anything <laughs> wrong, just what's different. And then Mac and the ex are getting into this huge fight, and she goes, you know, you act like he's, like, per like I think he's perfect, or and he's not. He struggles with things, and in the background, he's hopping on one yeah. leg with both legs in the one I, pant leg. I remember it vividly. And it's so, just incredible so the way it all comes together. <laughs> I also just like how, like, both of those things that we mentioned are real-life things that I've experienced. Like, I have a pair of basketball shorts that, for some reason, that happens with. And then <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I have one specific pair of basketball shorts as well, where, like, I often end up with one leg going in yeah. the other leg. And also, people frequently quote me on jokes uh, that I make um, <laughs> and online that threaten to ruin, like, presidencies or whatever. <laughs> and, and, uh... <laughs> The other the other thing for me is that in my my previous uh, office chair, the I guess like the little hydraulic thing that's inside was just slowly malfunctioning over time. So like every three days or so, I would be a lot closer to the ground, but it would be a really slow burn, and it's almost like somebody was playing a joke on me. Like where all of a sudden, like I find like just now realize my elbows are by my ears, and I'm like, what's happening? And then you lift the that would be back such up. a I would say that would be such a great gag if there was such an infinitesimally slow leak of that uh -huh. over the course of each work day where mm -hmm. you sit down at the beginning of the day and it's like the frog in the pot of boiling water who when you move it one degree that you don't realize the temperature's <laughs> going and it's like all of a sudden it's five o'clock and you're at eye level with the keyboard and it's like wait when did this happen <laughs> that's I don't pretty much how it went down <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, that's it. So stupid. Uh, do you have any other news? Uh, I have one other quick new. Okay. Um, Indiana Jones 5. So Steven Spielberg is no longer directing. Hmm. Harrison Ford is still going to be in it. Um, John Williams is actually returning for it, which is huh. something. Uh, as will Kathleen Kennedy 
and Frank Marshall as producers. Uh, Lucas will not be returning to produce. Um, Spielberg will still be producing. John Rhys-Davies has expressed interest in reprising his role as Sala, though he has not been confirmed. And they are currently in talks with James Mangold to direct. Is there any information on why Spielberg's not? Um, no. Huh. Uh, wait, hang on a second. Hang on. There's a link to Uh-oh. another story. Let's see what that's Break- <laughs> Breaking news. This just didn't... <laughs> New uh, Indiana Jones movie to take place on Exegol. <laughs> <laughs> Spielberg will remain on as a producer, and this is entirely his decision. It said he wants to hand the franchise to a new generation. That is all the information I have. No, sorry. Spielberg is currently wrapping up his adaptation of West Side Story. Hmm. Yeah. Which is due out at theaters this year. Um, writing, du- uh, writing duties were handed to Crystal Skull writer David Kep. Um, but I think Jonathan Kasdan, Lawrence Kasdan's son, is also co-writing it or rewriting it or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Is there like a, do they have an intended like date or year that they want to release that in? Probably. Um, shit. I lost it. It's all good. We'll have more Indiana Jones news as it actually unfolds over the years. Oh, wait. Currently set for a July 9th, 2021 release. That's pushed back from when it was originally. I was not expecting um, you to give me an actual date. I was gonna, I thought like a season and a year you were no, gonna July, go. <laughs> July 9th, 2021. Two weeks ago, they said filming is supposed to begin in two months. Uh, we'll see if this change in director pushes hmm. that back again, though. Imagine it doesn't, then we have all sorts of other questions. <laughs> what are you doing every day? <laughs> Stranger things have happened. Uh, I caught wind of there's a Creed three in the works of like trying to figure out like how, like what they're doing there director writer I don't really know too much about it all I know is I saw the title that it was like there was information about it and I started to think about this concept of like that we've talked about it over and over again on the show right there's the reboots and the remakes and all that shit and they have sequels and then there's like really late sequels like doing another sequel to something that came out years ago Creed is like this amalgamation of all of those things yeah it's like a reboot slash continuation sequel slash remake the, like the first one is a remake <laughs> slash remake right and now there's a third one that's gonna come out and i'm thinking I, is i i i normally don't have this problem like if you want if you have an idea and you want have something to make and you want to do it go for it but now i'm starting to think like when is it too much um well it probably was always too much but they got around it by it being good. Yeah, well, Creed, Creed was good. I didn't. I I thought Creed Two was fine. Um, I, so they they they're doing well. It's just it's just funny to me, like that. There's like, it's almost it's it's gonna like shadow. It's like oh yeah, those the movies with the boxer, and like a few years, <laughs> it'll be like oh Creed no no no, the origin. <laughs> uh, Balboa no no before that. <laughs> <laughs> you know and it's just like it's gonna be like over and over and over again and i just thought i was like uh, whatever when it comes if it comes out in like a march like a march that'll probably be a good time for it uh when this like I, I i'm not gonna see it over other things i don't think because i'm it's not new or it won't yeah. really feel that new 
Um, but it's a it's per, they've done fine so far. So like in the midst of like a of a of a low time in movies, it'll be a good movie to go see on a weekend or like an like a you know on like a Monday. Uh, but, but it's just like I don't know. It just seems, it seems crazy. Like there's it's the third movie of the reboot of the series. It's just it's wild to me that it's like it's continuing to go on. Like there's almost a I feel like when you do the reboot or the remake. Part of it is the novelty of the fact that you're, you know, you, you're you're bringing this thing back from the dead for a little bit, but then you're like, I don't know, you, you sign the DNR, you know, like it's it's <laughs> <laughs> it's got to end at some point and just make something else. I want to see well, this guy. The thing is, I like him and I want to see him in other movies. Well, the, these reboot remake things, I feel a lot like in the way that you feel about like actually bringing someone back from the den and it's like okay this was really nice but after the novelty of having done it it's like well what now right well what do we do with you now (laughs) what would you say you do here (laughs) it always comes back to the bobs oh the bobs uh that was your last new do you have any nuggets uh i all i have is the glorious return of reading Okay, well then, before we'll let you close with the reading before we get into fun and games. But before that, uh, the have you seen the Batman uh, set photos that have come out? I think I saw like one. It, it's I'm pretty sure it is one, and people keep cropping it and flipping it. I think that's all it is. I think it's okay. one picture, <laughs> but it's him on a bike. Ah, okay. Um. Anyway, uh, the cowl look is very interesting. At my first glance, I was like, huh. Like it wasn't super into it, and I started looking at it. It's like, and then it's like kind of weird, and I started to like the weirdness of it. And like it has like oh something going on with the eyes where that you always see Batman's eyes. There was like it almost seemed like there's like a screen over it or something like covering it with white. It looked it looked kind of twisted, and I I liked it. And one thing well, I, I was saying, I feel like I saw a picture. Maybe it was just like of his face or part mm. of his face, and like so that's maybe that's what I was seeing. It reminded me, again, just as with that first reveal of his, like, at least his upper, like, his bust area, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, It reminds me of the Daredevil show costume. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Uh, One thing I'm I'm curious about is, are they going to go no cape? um, Or are they just going to add it digitally? Oh, is that a thing? I don't know. He doesn't have a cape in the picture. Huh. So, I was just kind of curious. It doesn't really matter to me too much. Um, I think it might look kind of badass without the cape. Uh, but I don't know. Batman without a cape is... does feel wrong. Um, Superman without a cape would be weird. <laughs> it really would be. It's just pajamas at that point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, even some pajamas have the Velcro cape on it. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know. I, it, it's it. It looked pretty cool, so I'd be open to it. Like especially like I don't know like what stage of Batman this is going to be at. But there's a. I feel like there's a chance that it would really be annoying to have it in place for certain scenes, and they might digitally add it. Hmm. Hopefully, that seems like that, a, a cape feels like a weird thing to digitally add. Yeah, yeah we'll see. Like maybe, outside maybe of maybe it ripped like, off in a previous scene. I would say the only thing I can say is like maybe very specific action sequences, sure, but in general, like that feels like a weird thing to. <laughs> it's actually going to come out in three D, and that's why they digitally <laughs> the game. <laughs> it's just so that every time he turns around, it goes. Whoosh! And it comes out. You know what's... Okay, can we talk about 3D movies for a second? Do you remember when you were a kid and you went to, like, a 3D thing in an amusement park and it was, like, 
crazy fucking 3D. Like it was in your face. Something would reach out of the screen and feel like it hit you because it was so crazy. Like there was the Terminator yeah, they'd, one they'd where it wrapped you around with water your head or something. Well, yeah, those are the 4D ones. Even those are cool. But like the like I remember there was like a Terminator 3D thing that I saw, and it, it, it like he turns into the T1000 turns into the liquid metal, and he's like coming out of the screen, and he's at you, right? When you go see a 3D movie, it is n- it's just a little bit of extra pers- like uh, depth. That's yeah. it. It's not it. Nothing like that's happening. And I don't understand how. Like, why do we, why have we settled for this? <laughs> why is it not ridiculous anymore? I liked ridiculous. Ridiculous 3D was worth the experience. Um. See, I always thought it was too gimmicky, and I wasn't a huge fan. Yeah, but seeing the 3D movies now, it's just it just hurts my face. Um. I don't know. For the most, the thing is, it depends. Like, there's certain movies where I think. That little added bit of, bit of depth gives it some life. There's other times where it's like I honestly wouldn't really notice it if it wasn't there anymore. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. I, I vaguely remember the last time that I remember being like, "Holy shit!" Like as something came out of the screen was one of the uh, Final Destination movies. That uh, I, the, the last one that they did that was, or the first one they did that was in 3D, like a yeah, Band Aid. Destination 3D. Okay. Well, there you go. Like a Band Aid comes like flying off and like swoops around your face, and I'm like. Well, like that's crazy. Like that's like that's that's three D. And but everything else is just a little bit of depth in the screen. Like the three D is over there rather than by me. <laughs> Which is I, I will say one of the very few things in recent years that I actually remember seeing in three D like the specific scene and I was like, Oh, even though it was just one of those depth ones, I actually thought it looked really cool was at the end of The Last Jedi. Remember when we saw it the next morning it was in three D? Mm-hmm. The at the very end when she lifts all the rocks out, the, the rocks okay, uh, floating yes, around her. That was cool, but they that also came really out. Cool. They came close to you a little bit. A little bit, still but not it wasn't much. A, like, it wasn't like a popping thing though. Like, but it did make for this very cool looking thing where the rocks are all around her and everything. And yeah. Like, oh, that actually makes for a cool visual. Ah, just I'm just a little bit up in arms about 3D. It's it's pretty, it seems that it's dying out though, so that's good. That's for the best. Yeah, I, I, I think you should keep it at uh, the music park and make it ridiculous real... at the music park. Uh, I was saying, so you can give me actual real, like, 3D projection holograms to watch? Hmm. Like, where it feels like I'm sitting in the room, like, while the movie is happening? Like, you're in Free Fire? Yeah, like, when, when <laughs> that's what you give me, when, like, the, when, when my room becomes <laughs> part room. of the movie because the project, projection is done holographically in three dimensions Mm. then you'll have me gotcha gotcha okay okay that's never gonna happen i mean it'll happen it's just you know it might be 30 years from now it just won't be i don't i can't um but yeah that's true it's hard to fathom i just thinking of along the lines of like creating that would probably not you probably would have so much less control over like blocking and things like that that it would make it difficult to get the scenes that you want it's just going to require much more computing power and everything to do. And oh, oh, no, I don't. There. I don't mean from the logistics of like. Uh, sure, it, sure, it can be done technically. I just wonder if like the artists of like the directors will want to do it. <laughs> like, I'm sure they will. And you know, in this, in the way that any, you know, well, why do directors keep doing tracking shots? Because it looks cool. That's true. Why will people do that? Because you know? it's going to look cool. That's fair. Why? Why are they doing 3D? They're not. They're just changing it after the fact. <laughs> Yeah. Layers. 
like an onion. <laughs> what is this reading all about? Oh, boy. Okay, so let me set the stage, oh which is to say, I'm going to stall briefly. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I send you the link so you can follow oh. along. Okay. Ooh, this is fun. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. So, this is on The Ringer. It's titled, We Are Not Prepared for the Carnage of Venom 2 by Miles Surrey. The sequel to one of the most bizarre superhero films of all time seems uninterested in toning it down. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> you mustn't be afraid to dream a little bigger, darling. Tom Hardy's character tells Joseph Gordon-Levitt in Inception before pulling out a grenade launcher and aiming at Killian Murphy's battalion of dream soldiers. Inception was a weird movie. Inception it was, was a moment so iconic that, and this is true, Hardy's line became the official motto of my high school graduating class. We all voted and <laughs> quote from a supporting character in a Christopher Nolan movie came out on top in an undeniable win for democracy. <laughs> <laughs> to this day, there's a tiny plaque on the school grounds with that Tom Hardy quote instructing students to zig where others zag and to follow their passions wherever they lead. Mom, if you're reading this, you should know that Tom Hardy is the reason I'm a blogger. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to think Hardy was repeating his Inception dialogue like a mantra while working on while he worked on Venom. Venom had the makings of yet another bland and wholly forgettable superhero movie featuring a weak antagonist, flat supporting characters. Why was Jenny Slate even in this film? <laughs> and... Generic CGI-driven <laughs> and generic CGI-driven action sequences, but Hardy carried the film like LeBron carried the Cavalier, Cleveland, Cleveland, ugh, Cleveland Cavaliers in his final seasons with the team. Solid recovery. He, sw- he sweated, twitched, <laughs> convulsed, and I wouldn't be surprised if he shat himself in a performance that feels like it has more in common with the work of Tommy Wiseau than that of Robert Downey Jr. or Chris Evans. At one point, in a scene improvised reportedly on the actor's own insistence, Hardy's Eddie Brock, infected with an alien parasite craving live flesh, jumps into a lobster tank and eats a poor crustacean while moaning with satisfaction. <laughs> FYI, that's the sounds that come out of Hardy's mouth are truly not safe for work. <laughs> Venom was, and remains, one of my most cherished movie-going experiences, a stealth romantic comedy between a man and an alien parasite. Apologies <laughs> to four-time Academy Award nominee Michelle Williams. Where Tom Hardy seemed to be the only person in the production who was in on the joke. He intuitively understood the tale of a vice investigative reporter and the surly voice in his head that made him eat tater tots, discarded chicken, and live lobsters was a disaster piece in waiting. The problem with the rest of Venom was that nobody could compete with Hard- Hardy's gonzo energy. That is, until the film's mid-credits reveal, re- uh, mid-credits revealed a worthy adversary. After Venom successfully saved the world from a symbiote invasion because Eddie's symbiote was, quote, kind of a loser on his home planet <laughs> and likes feeling cool on Earth, Eddie visits an incarcerated serial killer named Cletus Cassidy to conduct an interview for his next big piece. In their brief exchange, Cletus promises carnage a tease of his own symbiote-infused alter ego, though it's hard to take the dude seriously because he's actually Woody Harrelson in a clown wig. <laughs> Cletus might look like a live-action sideshow Bob, but this was good, actually. 100%. Harrelson could be the magic to Hardy's bird. If you don't think the man could compete with Hardy on the weirdness scale, well, you simply don't know Woody. I humbly submit his work from last year as a Wimbledon spectator, which is arguably more compelling than much of that tournament's tennis. <laughs> 
After Venom grossed more than $850 million at the box office, the green lighting of a sequel was given. My hope was that Sony Pictures would double down on what made the film so captivating. The erotic dynamic between Eddie and Venom <laughs> and letting Tom Hardy and now Woody Harrelson cook. There were reasons to be optimistic. For one, the sequel was being solely written by Kelly Marcel, who co-wrote the first film with Jeff Pinkner and Scott Rosenberg. It's hard to say who's responsible for what parts of the script when multiple writers are attached, but seeing as Marcel's previous screenplay was Fifty Shades of Grey adaptation, I feel comfortable assuming she gave the film its light, kinky BDSM <laughs> Venom is the dom, and Eddie is the sub, obviously. Plus, with Hardy very involved in the creation of the new story, there's no way things won't get strange on the page. Secondly, Venom 2 will have a new director, Andy Serkis. You probably know Serkis for his many mocap performances, but he's also done some, behind, some work behind the camera. Most notably, this was the dude who thought it was a good idea to adapt The Jungle Book, a tale that primarily appeals to children, into a violent, gritty, and traumatic PG-13 hellscape. <laughs> Between a Fifty Shades of Grey screenwriter, a director who decided he'd introduce Little Mowgli as a baby covered in the blood of his mauled parents, and Tom Hardy doing Tom Hardy things, Venom 2 could fire on all its slimy cylinders with a creative brain trust presumably on the same weirdo wavelength. I'm not being hyperbolic when I say that Venom 2 is my most anticipated film of the year. Oh my god. And after seeing the movie's early photos from the set, this sequel is possibly the most anticipated film of my entire <laughs> life. And this is why I sent you the Oh link, no! You want to see the pictures. <laughs> Let's set the stage. Venom 2 is in production. Andy Serkis looks like he's ready to perform a, a sea shanty. Hardy and Harrelson are vibing. Eddie Brock is in his natural state. Dazed and confused. This is all par for the course. But then you see what they've done to Cletus Cassidy. This is not the carnage I was expecting. Uh, and here there is a pic- two pictures uh, in an embedded tweet from Marcelo Pico. I don't even know what to do with this picture with these pictures of the Venom 2 set. Uh, for those of you who aren't following along, um, this is one of the worst haircuts I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, it's long on the top and combed forward into bangs. Mm-hmm. And very short on the sides and back, with, I guess, some sort of Hawaiian-type shirt with a sunrise going on, mm-hmm. and he's clearly walking around on, like, a city street. Let's not forget um, the white shirt underneath and the black shirt underneath that. <laughs> yeah, he's got a long-sleeve black shirt underneath a slightly shorter long-sleeve white shirt underneath one of these t-shirt buttons. This volcanic explosion down. of a Hawaiian <laughs> Yeah, this, this explosion of a Hawaiian shirt buttoned down to about his navel, um, with a big old hunkin skull necklace hanging over the top of the white long sleeve shirt nice i have a few follow-up questions what happened to harrison's clown wig is this movie set in the 1980s <laughs> is this outfit what the symbiote forces <gasps> to wear because he thinks it'll make him look cool oh my god what Th- that that being um, the reason whatever the inspiration this is somehow worse and frankly more iconic than the way the character looked in the film's mid-credits scene Here's a list of things the new and not-so-improved Cletus Cassidy looks like. The mythical Florida man. Florida man. <laughs> my dad who left for a pack of cigarettes. Oh my god. <laughs> Guy Fieri's cousin. second cousin. <laughs> the moderator of a men's, right fix, men's rights Facebook group with fewer than 2,000 members. Perfect. Per my colleague Dan Devine, someone with extremely guy who wore oversized anime character button-down shirt to the club in 1999 energy. Mm-hmm. He does look like he could be in the early stages of the first Matrix. A mid-tier boss in Grand Theft Auto Vice City. 
Someone who hasn't paid child support in four months. Mm -hmm. Someone who thought Joker should have won Best Picture. Someone who... Someone who doesn't believe in cunnilingus. Oh my god. A person loitering within a port authority. (laughs) The physical embodiment of a midlife crisis. And the protagonist of Uncut Gems 2. And I think those last two things are the same thing. Oh my god, that's so good. Now you understand why this needed to be a This is so good. Shout out to Just Jared for the most important investigative journalism of the new decade. Eddie Brock would be proud. And I am proud, nay overjoyed, that Venom 2 might be more absurd than I had expected even in my wildest dreams. The Cletus Carnage repartee will be incredible. They somehow roped Michelle Williams back into for the earnest for the earnest delivery of lines like "I'm sorry about Venom." <laughs> Her character's boyfriend, played by Reed Scott, uh, who's in Veep, is returning as the world's most chill slash unqualified doctor who was willing to pass off Eddie Brock's symbiote symptoms as a stomach bug. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The sequel also has Naomi Harris playing the villain Shriek, who in the comics is Cletus's love interest. And can you imagine falling for a guy who looks? Like, even more washed Josh Holm, who I don't know who that is. If Venom was already a so-bad-it's-good classic, then Venom 2 is shaping up to be the Cinecine King of garbage <laughs> cinema. I want more Instagrams. I want a trailer. I want to read the script, along with every creative suggestion Tom Hardy made, where Sony had to be like, sorry, but legally we can't sign off on this. <laughs> I want to inhale every single anecdote from set. If I could eat the essence of Venom 2... The way Eddie Brock chows on lobsters and lobster tanks, I would. We are Venom and Venom is me. (laughs) We might never get a superhero like this again. Let's sit back and enjoy the carnage while we can. That is awesome. That was tremendous. It really was. The list was really what it was all about. Yes, and those pictures. Oh my god. So good. So stupid. Now I'm excited for the movie. Oh, it was colossally stupid, and that's why it needed to be read. Ugh. Good for you. Miles Surrey. Oh, man. God, when does this come out? Was that um, probably next year. Cool. I don't know. Cool. Yeah, I had fun with the first one. I know it's not a good movie. I, I had fun with it, though. It was fun. Yeah. All right. Um, what do you say we do some fun and games? Yes. Although, on that note, just so you know, I have my own fun and games in the hopper here. If there's ever a week where you don't have a good one, just let me know. And I'll keep holding on to it until you need it. I'm going to be honest with you. The one I have this week is not great. <laughs> what, what's the one you have this week? Uh, well, that's not it. <laughs> it changed. It was supposed to be what indie movie are you? There it is. I got it back. Uh, I, it was supposed to be what indie movie are you? I must have clicked something on the page. And when I looked back down at the iPad, it said, which Tom Cruise character are you? And I was like, that is not relevant at all. No, no it is not. <laughs> Uh, this was really just a pull at something that is remotely related to what we're doing for a movie, so I think we could do yours if you're up for it. Okay. Uh, let me just open that then. Good, because this quiz looked like garbage. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Ooh, I'm excited. I don't get to play games. This is great. I, I know. I thought you might be interested oh, to do a, a one-off. Are you more Johnny, Moira, David, or Alexis? From <gasps> yes! Okay. I'm, this I'm is on BuzzFeed. Oh my god, Shit's Creek is so good this season. It's so good. It has been. How would your BFFs describe you? Thoughtful, artistic, funny, charming, honest, or enthusiastic? Uh, enthusiastic. Pick something to order at Cafe Tropical. Pancakes, 
smoothies, scrambled eggs with bacon and toast, coffee and a pastry, cheeseburger and fries, or a salad? Hmm. I want to go with the burger and fries. Okay. Pick a video to rent from Rose Video. <laughs> Titanic, The Lion King, Grease, The Princess Bride, Jurassic Park, or The Breakfast Club? Ooh. We had a dead ringer until The Breakfast Club came in. Uh, I'm going to go Breakfast Club. Okay. Choose a character to take a road trip with. Patrick, Ted, Mutt, Jocelyn, Stevie, or Twyla? Oh, man. I'm, I'm going Ted. I love Ted. <laughs> he would be Ted's the most fun. fun on a road trip. <laughs> Pick an herb, Ertlinger, fruit wine. <laughs> strawberry, strawberry peach, blueberry, apple, pineapple, apple, or banana. Oh, I really was really hoping radish was going to be in there. Let's go. Oh, banana. yes. That was, that was funny. <laughs> banana will do. Gross. Uh, and finally, choose a TV family. The Byers family from Stranger Things, the Banks family from The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, the Pearson family from This Is Us, the Tanner family from Full House, the Adams Foster family from The Fosters, or the Gilmore family from Gilmore Girls. I'll do the Tanner family. You got Moira Rose. <laughs> your, your personality matches Moira. You're witty, charming, and persistent. Like Moira, you're extremely artistic and creative. You're someone who, le- who loves to be recognized for your achievements. You absolutely love to be the center of attention. You march to the beat of your own drum. You have an enthusiasm for living life to its fullest. Oh my god. Moira Rose is a gem. She's a yeah. goddamn gem. Ah, grapes are here! <laughs> <laughs> I want it to be done about Bebe! <laughs> There's a super cut of every time she says Bebe, and it's just perfection so good uh if you if you have been sleeping on schitt's creek fix it i love that show i'm glad that you guys recommended it oh it's so good this this particular this last episode of uh, was hysteric it was hysterical it was emotional it was so good it's so good and i I really didn't see that coming no, I didn't either. And I don't think... I Well, I also don't think that that's the end of it. Um, it did seem to be an odd place to leave it off. Like, no one says goodbye to him or anything. Yeah, no, I think he'll uh, he'll come back for the wedding and they'll get married. Or, like, he'll propose or something, I think. That's gonna be my guess. I don't know. They, they, they left themselves in a pretty untenable position because she said, I can't let you not take the job of your dreams Mm -hmm. and he said i literally can't let you move there yeah i know i know so i mean something's gotta give if they're gonna stay together i i refuse to allow them to to separate i love them together i know considering she finally became a real person again Mm -hmm. or well for the first time kind of through him um it would seem a shame for them to not work out so when we saw, she was really funny. When we saw uh, the the cast do like a, it was like a Q and A that we saw them live, and uh, they, which she was talking about how like she came up with some of the mannerisms for Alexis, and she was yeah, like, I, I actually read something about that a few weeks ago. It was it is so good. She was talking about how she was high and watching shows like the Kardashians, and she's like, she noticed that. They are always. They always have one hand out with the bag over it. Yeah, then, holding the bag. Yeah, and she said, "What if I did that with both hands, 
but no bag. <laughs> yeah. I, I read about that one. I thought that was really funny. So good. Ugh. Shit's Creek. And also what about how long it took her to perfect the Ew David and how she then, once she found the perfect one, tried to say David as much as possible. Mm-hmm. It's so good. It's so good. Were, G- Gianna, uh, Gianna loves singing... Um, what's it called from a little bit of Alexis from a, a little bit of Alexis yeah when she oh, yeah. starts going la 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 la, 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 la. <laughs> my, my sister they, will just start doing it randomly <laughs> that's amazing they uh they she performed the song live and Noah Reed played an acoustic version of it. <laughs> an acoustic <laughs> it was, version it of was awesome <laughs> my limited reality series <laughs> <laughs> oh man well that's been Shit's Creek Talk for this week uh, we'll catch you next week. No. Uh, with that being said, let us dive into our flick of the week. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Released in 2004, rated R, with a one hour and 48 minute runtime. It's a drama, romance, sci-fi movie. When their relationship turns sour, a couple undergoes a medical procedure to have each other erased from their memories. I thought I really liked this movie. Uh- um, turns out, my memory, uh, deceived me. Should have been erased. It should have been erased. Uh, do you have your tweet length review handy? I do. What, do you want to hit me with yours? Who's going first? You or me? I'll go first if you want. A sad, confusing look at a shitty relationship and everyone in their orbit through the lens of manipulative memory technology. Five out of ten. Hmm, nice, nice. Uh, cool. Mine says, with a depressing cool color palette coupled with the sounds of high notes on a piano, this recipe for an early aughts indie flick leaves me trying to piece together fond memories I thought I had. Six out of ten. <laughs> no, I was really glad when you texted me that. What, what day was that? Uh, I think it was yesterday. Okay. It was last night. I'm losing track of the days. Yeah, um, Yeah, last night does sound right. Uh, so I started watching this on Saturday in the very height of my flu. Okay. And I made it about 10 minutes in, and then Plex just stopped working. And so I said, okay, I'll pick this up tomorrow. Hopefully I'll feel less shitty. And I did, though I didn't sleep at all that night. So, you know, still not great. Um, and I watched the rest of the movie in 8 to 10 minute increments because Plex was barely working. Hmm. And I was three quarters of the way done with the movie, and I was like, huh. Either my flu, ba- my flu brain isn't getting this movie, or this movie sucks. <laughs> and when you texted me the other last night reaffirming that the movie sucked I was like oh thank god it wasn't just my flu brain but I thought we were doing this movie because you loved it and apparently you also thought we were doing this movie because you loved it same same you could even go back to last week when I when it was called out on a list and I was like oh we have to do that uh yeah I remember this movie completely differently um and the thing is like I don't know if it's a like, cult classic per se, or if it's, like, unanimously, like, beloved or whatever, but I've definitely heard a bunch of people say they like this movie. It won Best Writing. Yeah. For it was an adapted screenplay, I think. Something like that, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, uh, it, it's interesting, and I, I was thinking about it, so I, I, too, I didn't watch the movie in one sitting, uh, which is rare for me, uh, it's because I, the timing didn't really line up right, and I had to, I, I put it on late, and I was getting really tired, so I stopped. And then I watched another... 30 minutes while I was eating lunch the next day. And then there was like 10 minutes left. And I was trying for the life of me that each time I took a pause, I was trying to remember what happens. And I couldn't. I couldn't remember. 
and I'm wondering if I had the movie erased <laughs> because it's not it. I don't know. It just it did not go where I like. I I didn't know where I thought it was going, but it did not go where I didn't think it was going where it ended up. Uh, and it it's just not. It's a really it's a movie about a really it's a really toxic relationship. Yes, and that's what good. I was like. I kept waiting for, and I guess we can get to this now because this is really one of my bigger notes. Oh, also, um, the movie came out in two thousand four, so there's no veil. We're like it's it's spoiler territory forever. <laughs> okay, so. Uh, in this sort of movie, you usually balance the good and the bad in the relationships. Mm-hmm. And then you see why it is that they're fighting for it, even if it's not necessarily healthy. Like, you get why they might want to save it, right? Because a lot of times in movies, we end up seeing more good than bad. And mm-hmm. if that's accurate or not, I don't know. Um, and with, when I was done watching this movie, what it reminded me the most of was 500 Days of Summer. Um, and that movie starts with the good. And then shows the bad, and then it shows you the truth, mm-hmm. quote unquote, which kind of paints a more complete picture of this complicated relationship between these two people who ultimately aren't meant to be together. Spoiler alert for 500 Days of Summer, which is also over 10 years old. Um, <laughs> and in this movie, they showed you all the bad up front, which I was like, okay, we saw the worst of it. And we know that she, got a, she decided to get it erased, and he's now deciding to get it erased. And at a certain point, he decides, oh, no, I need to stop this process. Mm-hmm. And I kept waiting for the bank of time where they were going to show us why he wanted to save it. And they never did. Right. The way that they go about doing that, they, like, give you a, a situation where it wasn't horrible. And then he's like, yeah. oh, I should, I should not. I should save this. And it wasn't, it wasn't yeah. compelling. Like, an absence of horribleness isn't a reason to fight for something. Sure. Like, it is in line with his the... character, though. Well, the thing is, they're both miserable people. Oh, yeah. So, like, I never saw the good that made me want to root for them, because why should I care about this relationship between these people? They're both miserable. We mostly see them being miserable together. Mm-hmm. And, like, they're just kind of biding their time until one of them snaps, which, like, they both did. And mm-hmm. that's why they broke up and got their memories erased. Yeah. Which is really, what's really interesting about that. So then there's a couple of things here. That, uh, like there's, there's deeper levels of the movie that I find interesting that are actually, that, that are parts of it that I do like, uh, which is probably why I went six over year five. But I will say like the, the core main characters, Joel and Clem and their storyline is the weakest part of the movie. It's the most, it's, you don't even, I don't even want to be there. It's actually the- Yeah, no, the, it's- the, the rest of them, it's the people from the doctor's office, their interrelationship is the so, only reason this isn't like a two for me. Was right, that, 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 that is actually good. really complex. Yeah, it yeah. really is. Like what I love about that is uh, there, there's just, there's, there's reveals within that storyline that are real gut punches. Yeah, and it's like, it's really actually complex, like dealing with some really complex issues that like mm-hmm. I found pretty compelling where if the whole movie was about that, this actually could have been a pretty good movie. Yeah. Like, if we just saw these people dealing with their relationships with each other imploding over the course of a night of dealing with a botched thing, and it was just some random person getting it done, yeah. not Jim Carrey who's trying to save his relationship with Kate Winslet, like, if that was what the movie was about, this actually could have been a really good movie. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's it's very, it's it's interesting. The 
the storyline, like one of the, the the thing that really got that got me when I finally got back into the movie was when they're finally in the house and the story of the of basically the doctor's office uh, inner romances like coming to light, like that whole storyline. When that when that starts to kick off, that's when the movie starts really, uh, because the rest yeah. of it, the rest of it is is not good. And uh, and <laughs> when uh, so we get a uh, Kristen Dunst uh, when she finds out that's the scene. That's like that's the Academy Award like worthy scene when the when the what, what is, I think I have the quote written down here uh, when the doctor's wife says you can have him you already have and it just was like <laughs> it was like oh yeah. my god how did we get here and like the only thing that the rest of it had, like the like the Jim Carrey uh, Kate Winslet stuff did was they were used to demonstrate the science fiction piece of the of the story so that that delivery has so much weight <laughs> yes i guess so uh yeah but like i said that that movie is good the it's, yeah. it's the rest of it that's not uh, and, and, well there's two specific things that were really interesting and that one they kind of delve into a little bit the other one they ultimately drop and it's like that could have been a super compelling thing the whole storyline with elijah wood stealing Twisted. Jim Carrey's identity so, which like he like Jim Carrey literally comes out and says it in his own mind like he's stealing my identity mm-hmm. there's like a kernel of something really interesting and provocative there yeah. that they ultimately just let go of there and I'm like no 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 keep following that thread that's really fucked up but it's interesting yeah like that that sequel where that guy's just a serial killer and he's done this over and over again where he's like gets into the mind and gets really close to someone and then yeah and then basically is a murderer of sorts or manipulative or creepy which he is but it's just like yeah it's twisted that whole story which, by the twisted. way what a weird like run of a couple of years for elijah wood then because like that's this all came like right on the backs of of um, the Lord of the Rings being over, mm. and in in like the same within like a calendar year or two, he was in this. He was in Sin City playing Kevin, the creepy cannibalistic mute serial killer, and he was in Green Street Hooligans, which I never saw, but like it, just the whole premise seems a little odd as well. That seems like an odd movie. Like, what was going on in that year or two for him? Right. <laughs> um. Uh. He creeps me the fuck out in this movie. Oh like, yeah, he he's so unsettling. Terrible. He's a terrible dude. Oh yeah, he's horrible. Uh, he's horrible, but more compelling than a lot of the other stuff going on. Oh sure, for sure. This is ridiculous. Uh, I will say when Mark Ruffalo pops up on screen, I was like, "Holy shit, that's a young Mark Ruffalo that I don't remember." <laughs> yeah, it took me like two scenes to realize that's who that was. We also got, we also got uh, like the, the Men in Black era Tobias Dudke. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know. It, it's just I'm trying to. I, there are certain things that were that are. I'm, I don't want to say good because that's 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 too nice. Um, there's like the the exploration of like anxiety between like his uh, Joel's like quiet anxiety and Clem's ex- like explosive anxiety, like doing something like doing something very negative with that energy where he kind of recedes within himself. That was like the, there's like very real mental issues that are displayed not really they're not they're not they don't dive into them too deep but they're well, there the problem is again i think that's i think that's actually a big issue with this is if it shows any of these things to pursue more deeply 
there's something there. Right. But it just kind of looks at the surface of all of them and doesn't dig into any of them enough. Yeah. Oh, man, it just, it really, it was really disappointing. My, my, on this, on this watch there. And yeah, I, I have been wanting to see this movie for a while. Um, I was really disappointed by it. Definitely, like, uh, I was thinking about it, like, having, having, thinking that I remember it fondly. Uh, and there was, you know, it's like a time in, uh, probably in my life when I was watching it of, like, you know, younger, uh, like, the, 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 the more, like, emo mindset, like, that stuff, like, being just, like, dark and feeling that way, like, it, it probably sat a little bit more close to home, and then, like, I don't know, and then like now, just like being an adult and thinking through things, I was just frustrated with the nonsense. Like, I don't want to deal with your nonsense. Yeah, I mean that's part of it. I mean, just like I said, there's an easy trap. This is what I said to you when we were texting last night. There's an easy trap to fall into with Five Hundred Days of Summer because I know that the first time I saw that movie, I was probably like nineteen, twenty years old, Mm -hmm. and I really liked it, but I felt a very specific way watching it, and then I watched it again, like, maybe two years ago, and adult me felt very differently about what that movie was about. Yeah. Uh, I think I've got it right this time. And I don't think there's a matter of getting it right. I think it, it's how it makes no, sense to you I, in the moment. I no, I had it... Well, yes, but the problem with that is... It says more about you, the watcher, than the movie itself mm-hmm. in how you interpret it. And I do not like what it said about me the way I felt about it the first time. Mm. Is the thing. Because the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, man, why was she such a bitch to him? Like, like he loves her and like she just treated him like shit and this and that. And then I watched it again as an adult and I was like, oh, no, that is not what is going on here. <laughs> I need a shower thinking about this. Yeah. Like, because it's... The the thing is, both of them are pretty shitty to each other. Yeah. Uh, and I don't like that my first association the first time through, I feel like I fell into a trap, which mm. is probably the point. Could be. Uh, I, but I, the thing is, I, I, I know for a fact a lot of people felt the way I did when I first watched it. Gotcha. And still feel that way about that movie and it's like no 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 how to weed out your you're not yeah well that's the thing you're not supposed to think he's the good guy and she's the bad guy in this the they were both the bad guy they needed to break up they were not a match and that's the whole point yeah um but the movie is told from his perspective and i viewed it from his perspective and so I ended up with the thesis that he did, and that is the wrong thesis. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, back to I, we should maybe we should do that movie as well. Um, I would like to rewatch that. I again, that's another movie that I remember fondly, but I don't remember anything about. Okay, so I, the thing is, like, I do still think it was a good movie mm-hmm. um, because I actually do think that the story it tells, they tell it the right way. I know that I interpret it wrong the first time, <laughs> or at least in a way that I do not feel comfortable with now. Um, yeah. And this movie is similar in some ways, right? Where you're, you're kind of meant to feel like, oh, like, why would she do this to him? Why would she erase herself? Which I will say she was wrong to have erased herself without t- 
telling him this is what was going to happen because that leaves a really fucked up situation behind mm-hmm. when you don't know that until someone shows you this strip of paper. Right. And then you're dealt, you're left to deal with all those things and all these thoughts and emotions and just outright confusion because who's up in here erasing minds? Like, where did this come from? I feel like I should know about this. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. I th- and like, I, like, I, it, like if that's what she wanted to do. Fine. Um, it's fucked up to leave someone holding the bag, though. Oh, yeah, 100%. Well, that's, and that's, I think, one of the, again, probably why I dislike the movie so much now, uh, was I have a, I have a, a, a big problem with, like, not taking responsibility and, like, not dealing with issues. And that's, ex- like, they were, like, the whole thing is, like, running away from problems. And, mm-hmm. like, not facing the fact that, like, the, and, and, and blaming the other person and constantly calling the other person out on their shit when you have a lot of your own problems. And not Which was actually a really good sequence. So that was a really good sequence um, when they each listened to their tapes. Yeah. Because, like, like you said, both of them recorded on the tape. It's just, it's like the Seinfeld Festivus airing of the grievances. Mm-hmm. Right? Where it's, I'm going to list all the things I hate about you. Without taking a single second of self-reflection to take my own accountability for what's wrong in this relationship. Right. Do you think that their their willingness to to try again in the end means that they haven't grown at all? Um, no. I actually think it does mean so because they each listened to their own tape and mm-hmm. they're like, two things. One, I know what to look out for. Two... What a monster. I don't even recognize that voice. Mm-hmm. That's me. I can't even imagine. Both of them were like, I can't even imagine myself saying those things about you. Right. Even though at that moment in time, they don't even know anything about the other person. They don't remember anything about the other person. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, I can never imagine saying those things. How fucked up is that? What I will say is, it's an impossible situation to put yourself into and the uh. other person into. To, oh, what we the only thing we know about each other right now is how much we apparently hate each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're they like us at that moment don't even know any of the good things, right? That caused them to stay together for a year or whatever. So, why put yourself through the high wire act of now trying to avoid all of these potholes? Of, oh, well, I'm not, I said this thing about you. Let me try to be more forgiving thinking about that. But without the baseline of, I know I love this person, why would you put in that effort? Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't make any sense to me. I, they, were, they were stuck in a weird, in that weird, like, just met somebody that they're, like, crushing on really hard. Uh, which is why I say that maybe they haven't grown at all because like, I feel like that is something that changes over time as you experience things like that, that you, I don't know, maybe you're a little bit more guarded or you're a little bit more aware of like there is this, like that like honeymoon phase that you're kind of, like that's what they're in and that's what they're, that's the only good that they have to go on in that moment. And that's why it makes me think that they haven't really, they're not going to change. I feel like they're just going to end up in the same situation because I don't believe that either of those characters is changing because nothing else about their lives has changed. They're still those shitty people. They're both shitty. And they're still those shitty people. They just happen to forget a piece. Yeah. Like. I think we're actually kind of saying the same thing. We're just looking at it from different perspectives. Yeah. 
like we're looking at it from two sides of the same coin. I agree. I do think they'll be back here because, you know, it's one of those things when you when you watch like a movie or TV show about this or, you know, when you experience it in real life or you watch someone else going through it, when people are in a long-term relationship and they've loved each other for a long time but have also grown together long enough to know the things they dislike about the other person and you can be open and honest about those things and that's the right way to do it, right? That's the healthy way to do it. It's the only way it's going to work. Because otherwise, the resentment builds, and then you blow up on that person, and then that's how you have these blowout fights, and that's how you say things you can't take back in anger. Mm -hmm. Um, But in those times, when you're in those rough patches, you can work through them because you have the foundation of the love and all the memories of the good things to fall back on. When it's like, man, I'm so frustrated with this person right now. It's like, but... I know that this will pass. Mm-hmm. We'll figure it out because, and it's worth it because all of these good things. Otherwise, you would just break up. Right. It's irreconcilable differences. Like if the good doesn't outweigh the bad, like a good, long, healthy relationship doesn't stay that way because it's perfect. There is no such thing. Mm-hmm. The point is that the good outweighs the bad. Right. Right. And if you don't have the foundation of the good, <laughs> then I have no fa- yeah. <laughs> why would you put yourself through the bad is what I'm saying in it's this. So it, it makes it, no sense yeah. to me. Again, that's why... On multiple levels for this movie. Why their storyline is the worst piece of it. Uh, it's just... Uh, anyway, um, I would like to talk a little bit about... So one thing that I thought was interesting, because I, I was going on this little bit of a roller coaster with Mark Ruffalo's character, and there, there's a lot of, like... There's a lot of assumptions about, like, the concept of love, I feel like, in the movie. Like, it transcends logic and reason, or they're, I feel like they're trying to claim that in certain places, but then completely failing to execute on that in others. But we have uh, Kirsten Dunst and Mark Ruffalo are hooking up, obviously. Uh, Mark Ruffalo is super into her. She's kind, like into him enough but not like but she's like really got her eyes on the doctor uh on carmine falcone which Which we don't know until he actually shows up right well well no you you kind of get the hint at like the way that she kind that she's like fascinated by him and the way that she talks about it like it it it, it's easier to make that leap when he arrives like and how excited she is that like she's gonna see him or how nervous she is before he gets there like it, it it it's all there it's all makes sense but uh, what was interesting to me more, more so was Mark Ruffalo's character, who, like, he, he goes outside, and he sees them making out through the window, and the wife comes. And what, the thing that I was, that's been, I've been turning around in my head over and over since is, why did he beep the horn? And I was like, I didn't understand what exactly was going on there. Immediately, my immediately, my immediate reaction was that he was trying to warn them so that they would stop, so that the wife didn't see it, right? But why was he doing that? Because is he does he have this connection to the doctor? Does he feel strongly for this guy as like some? But he also seems to really love Kirsten Dunst, and so he why isn't he heartbroken? And why isn't he? He seems like he should be mad at like right now, but he's not. He, I, he, I didn't understand it. He was so mysterious to me, but it didn't bother me. He was just mysterious. Like I, could, I couldn't get inside of his head. I mean, I think it comes down to he knew, and he says to her, like, like deep down, that he knew. You mean, <coughs> or that he really did? But yes, it, you can just take it as like deep down he knew, and it's basically what he intimates to her 
like later on, right? Um, and I think whatever it is that he knew on a real or subconscious level, I think he just knew the shitstorm that was coming their way if sh- if the wife catches it. Mm-hmm. But, like, so I was it more protective think, of her? Do you think? I actually, I think it was really just protective of all three of them. I think he kind of knew like his that environment. The whole project hanging hangs in the balance of this not all blowing up right now. Uh, that's that's a good that's a that's a good way to look at it. I think that is the only way to look at it that I could be happy with. Or like I could I could Yeah, I think I think like that supersedes I think that supersedes his own personal confusion at her cuz I think I think there was validation cuz it never looked like it never sounded like jealousy. Mm. Cuz like, you know, like they weren't together together like they were hooking up like they you yeah, had yeah. It, you phrased it right they were hooking up they weren't actually a couple so i don't think there was ever real jealousy there and so i think the validation of his hunch didn't hurt him so mm-hmm. much as just confirm what he always believed right. and since since he wasn't actually like deeply in love with her there isn't jealousy and pain there and so the self-preservation instinct of his job and his environment supersedes the potential fallout of his own personal relationship with her. Right. Hmm. That makes sense. That makes sense. That, I, 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 I'm glad we had this talk. Coming around on that scene, coming around on him, he is, the again, the characters in the doctor's office are the best characters in the movie. It's yeah, the and like, that was... You know, you mentioned the line where she says, you know, you can have him again or whatever. You already, yeah, you and, already have. Or you already have whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and there's another line she says in there, too. She says it, I don't remember if it was direct, directly to the doctor or to her with the benefit of the doctor hearing, like, in reference to him. Where she says something like, tell her. Yeah. And then she says something else, too, which was a really good line. I don't remember what it was now. Like, like, she's like, don't be a complete monster or yeah. something like that? Don't, yeah, that's actually exactly what it was. Don't be a complete monster. Tell her. Yeah, I found that really um, interesting. Because, like, like, that whole crux, that whole ten-minute span was really, like, the, the heart of the movie. Um, and I found that to be interesting. You know, the woman who's got, like, 90 seconds of screen time and, like, four lines in the movie. Um, and she really, you know, brings it in those, at least from, a, like, a narrative perspective. Um, I found that whole idea where, like, he is okay with keeping the secret from her that they had this thing because she wanted it erased, but not doing what was necessary to keep her at arm's length that that was allowing her to become attracted to him again. Right. Like, he authored his own doom. Yeah. By not making it very clear the lines that they needed to keep between them. Mm-hmm. Now, it's, it's, it, that, it, that's interesting. Again, that piece of the story is compelling. There's something there. There's more to explore. Definitely. Uh, the, it's also, if you look at Mark Ruffalo's character and uh, Carmine Falcone's wife, uh, they, uh- I, they, I feel like they're similar characters as well in that she, they're both waiting for the other person. Mark Ruffalo's character has no real ground to stand on where he doesn't seem to actually think that it'll get there and he gets validated in that and he seems to be able to make his peace right like you said earlier like he he ex- suspected it 
and therefore was prepared for that being the reality. Whereas uh, the doctor's wife, I feel like there was a point in time, obviously, where their relationship worked and she's holding out that it'll return to that because she thinks it'll return to that. And the fact that the other situation reared its head again was really deflating and defeating, but also something that she was able to understand. I don't know. It, it, they're, they're very, I feel like they're very similar characters. Yeah, and also like that it was interesting that where, you know, she basically gave him the benefit of the doubt. Like it seems like she probably maintained their relationship conditionally on the fact that Kirsten Dunst's character had her memory wiped, mm-hmm. right? Where if like it sounds I would imagine if she had a knowledge of their thing and was considering, you know, separating with him because he was cheating or whatever. And then them breaking it off and her having it erased, like, that would seem to preclude him from continuing down a path cheating on her, right? Right. Where it's like, okay, you've taken the steps necessary to prove to me that our relationship is more importantly more important than your relationship with her because you literally do not have the ability to pick back up again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. You know what I also find interesting is that she... She's not hateful towards her at all, towards Kirsten Dunst's Dunst's character at all. Well, I think that comes part and parcel with knowing that she had her memory, right? Yeah, she feels feels sorry for her. Yeah, because like, oh man, you really just can't help yourself. Like, you you don't even know that you can't help yourself. Uh, Yeah, it just makes it sad and... And uh. And also the fact that the fact that they're here again means he fucked up. Right. Because... He had the get out of jail free card of her not remembering that there was a history there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so interesting. Like the, the part of the movie that is most compelling that we're talking about is a ten minute span in the movie. Yeah. That's I... ostensibly the B or C story. <laughs> right. Because you can you can make an <laughs> argument that the B storyline is Clem taking up with someone who is aping her mm-hmm. ex boyfriend that she doesn't even realize. Right. So, so bizarre. Not a, it's not a great movie. It's not, it's really not. Um, there's one thing I wanted to circle back on that I, uh, I really, actually there's a handful of things. A couple of things that happened in the movie that are really, that really bothered me. Uh, not because of the movie mechanics or anything. They're just things that bother me. So first is <laughs> walking out on ice. First off, that terrifies me. I do not like when people in movies and TV shows are walking on ice, I have fallen yeah, through I've never been ice. A big fan of that. I do not like it. It scares. Wait, me. you said you fall into ice? Yes. Not 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 as drastic as that. Not as scare scary as it sounds from like a like a like it happens in the movies. But I was sleigh riding, uh, hit a tree, got caught, and I went flying over onto this little tiny like lake river thing. Like I went flying off of the thing, hit it, cracked through it, and I was like waist deep in frozen water it was horrible <laughs> and oh, and, it, yeah, and it, uh, in happy. that i think anytime somebody's walking on ice i'm like if it cracks you deserve it like i just like just don't be out there this is just i don't i don't i'm not i just don't understand completely unnecessary risk it's one of those things of like you know like where they said like oh like when i was a kid like i had a much i had a uh a, i was much more afraid of like quicksand that I should have been. I thought it was going to be a much more bigger problem growing up than it than it really was. Yeah. And we we talk about our shared trauma with the uh, the Jungle Book 
movie. And but I I always think of how many movies have people falling through ice, and I'm like, does everyone live in like Minnesota or <laughs> Vermont or something? Because like, it's just not a day to day concern of mine. Right. And like, I, as soon as you started talking about it, and we're talking about it with this movie, and when I was thinking about it while watching this movie, I'm like, I can think off the top of my head of like immediately five different movies where someone has fallen through the ice and it's like how is this a thing why is this such a concern like yeah. just don't go on ice exactly like, just exactly stay on paved stay on paved roads and don't sidewalks go and don't be on ice on the ice also if she had actually broken through when she fell this movie could have been over sooner mm-hmm. uh here's another thing laying on the ice or other fake real moments in movies Really bother me. <laughs> like, let's lay down on the ice and stare at the sky and talk. No, that is never going to happen. That would never happen unless you were actively trying to be weird. And believe me, I've known people in my life that have done things like that. But that uh, actively being weird annoys me as well. And that's what you're doing in the scene. They're laying on the ice. It's fucking cold. It's very cold. Like, I know that there's no way that you're there for this long. I know now that the ice isn't real. I know, like, like none of this is real. Like, this is all fake because you've been here for more than 30 seconds. You are frozen through. I know you have clothes on, but you are on solid ice? No! This is just so unreal. Like, in a movie with a sci-fi plot where you're able to erase portions of people's memory... Laying yeah, on the ice for that long, <laughs> laying on the ice for that long is more unrealistic. <laughs> it bothers me. Hate it. Just hate it. Um, I know. I I always think of that too. Or like, like see, like scenes or sequences of things where it's like no one in real life does those things. Like yeah. it's like one of those things that you literally only see in something that someone wrote for fiction. Like it just doesn't. Like no one does that thing. Right. It makes for a good point to deliver. Like dramatic dialogue where nothing else is happening and you could focus on these characters being here but i was just annoyed and i couldn't really listen to what they were saying <laughs> and he was like i'm like the happiest i've ever been i was like fall through the ice <laughs> that will change <laughs> Ugh. god maybe it, it made me irrationally angry i was just sitting on the i was sitting on the couch alone watching the movie going this is horseshit like, <laughs> just so, just so mad at it. Uh, another thing that bothered me: the home invasion. Now I know no one was there, and that they went into that house to keep warm or whatever. But I, just the fact that like they are so immature and they don't even, they, you can't even think about like they don't have a home. They don't have a house, right? If you have a house, you have this concept of I would feel very unsafe and unsettled. More unsettled, I guess, is the term. If I had known somebody was in there, it would be ridiculously unsettling. And they don't realize the trauma that they could potentially be putting the family that lives in that house through. If there's a security camera, if they, I don't know, move a fork out of place and it's noticed. Like, that, you can you can cause serious mental damage, is my point. And they're just yeah, you ever, don't you care. Ever get that? It's almost like deja vu. I was like, you almost get the thing where it's like deja vu, where you come home and it's like, has someone been in my house? I feel like everything's been moved around just slightly. Mm-hmm. And then you start getting like weird and it's like, okay, no, no one has been here. Or like, oh, my wife was here and she literally moved one thing. Mm-hmm. And it's thrown off my perception of the entire house and I feel like someone yeah. broke in. <laughs> what is reality? 
<laughs> no, it, it all, it all, it's funny. I know it's a joke on in one of Dane Cook specials, but it comes down to the B and E. I don't know if you remember that stand up, but what yeah, yeah. kicking the door in and not taking anything. Just think about that. Think about how, like, seriously, that would screw with you so much. And like in this situation, like this is the same thing. If you were able to, if something had happened or moved or broke or whatever, and you were to come back home. And be able to identify that something that you don't know what something had happened here. I just it just bothers me so much because I think the two characters are wildly immature, and it was really displayed in that scene. And it it just really irked me, just like to my core, it just really bothered me. It's <laughs> got very upset about. I, well, I, I say at any point, did you feel? And I didn't sit back and do the math, mm. but I feel like these actors were too old for their roles. Yeah, I agree. Right? Yes. Like, they are acting like they're, like, late 20-somethings who are kind of, like, in that situation of, like, not really knowing what to do with themselves. But both of them look like they're 35-plus. Oh, I would even say they were supposed... Like, they, like for their level of maturity and what they were doing to themselves and other people, that it was even younger than that. That they were trying to. Yeah, do. well, I, I mean, like, I was saying, like, basically, like, mid, like, mid to late yeah. 20s. Like, in, like that 24 to yeah, okay, 27 okay. range. Yes. Yeah, exactly. But no, yeah, they see, they seem to, like, they should have been older and more mature from the choices of actors that they picked or whatever they yeah. did makeup-wise. Like, they should have been the same age as the Mark Ruffalo, Kirsten Dunst, Elijah Wood character. Like, Elijah Wood seems significantly younger than her, and, like... And at the same level. <laughs> yes. Yes, you're right. Those three looked like they were more the right age for this sort of existential crisis. Oh, what thing. a weird movie. I think I'm lower. You know what? I'm going down to a five. <laughs> Just like, I'm, I'm getting more and more angry as I think about it. Yeah, I I just don't get it. Like, I, the, really, like, there's all these, like, problems we have with it. But the biggest one for me is just, why should I care at all what happens with this couple? Right. I've seen no redeeming qualities to the couple. And, like, that's, like I said, with, like, 500 Days of Summer, they needed to break up. Mm -hmm. But I could see the moments of good where it's like, oh, I get why you'd fight for that. Even though it's not worth it, I get why you'd fight for it. Right. I don't get why they would fight for this for a second. No. No. They, him sleeping on that pull-out couch is, like, that, like, how uncomfortable that looked and that setup was, was their entire life and relationship. It took me <laughs> way too long to realize that he lived permanently on a permanent, a pull-out couch. Yeah. Like, two-thirds of the movie through. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. So infuriating. Also, like, again, their immaturity and, like, I hate, I hate, I honestly, I hate these two characters. I hate them so much. But I think it's the first scene when he calls, when he fake calls out sick from work and then he gets on the train to Montauk. Yeah. Like, even that, I'm just like, no, go to work. Go to work and buy a goddamn big boy pen because this is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> now, that, I mean, honestly, though, that one I kind of. We've seen stuff like that before. Like that actually didn't that that more or less tracked for me. There's something we've ha we haven't touched on yet, which I feel like we've been remiss to not have said. This is the most 
fucked up technology. <laughs> if like yeah. the people who were running it weren't decent people. And like like they ended up being kind of shitty people or whatever, but like they're shitty to each other. They're not shitty to their clients. Right. Like if you wanted to be shitty to people, you could cause so much damage with this. Oh yeah. Like there's so much potential for abuse. Like forget it. I mean just someone break someone's giving you a roofie, breaking into your house and stealing your memories. Yes. Um like, you know how much rape would be happening in that in real life? <laughs> like, it's so fucked up. Yeah. Um, I feel bad. How is the government okay with this? How is this existing without being shut down aggressively by the FBI? Yeah. Like, they could be stealing you. They could be robbing you blind. Like, steal, right, robbing you they blind. Rob, they could they're be robbing your liquor. You. That's the most that they do is they rob their yeah. liquor. Yeah. They drank too much of his whiskey and, like, they honestly, like were a little disrespectful to his apartment. Right, and like, you see that, and you're like, it super... would be so much worse. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, this is the worst. Like, they were, like, surprisingly, dude, we gotta take this seriously. Well, This is a man's brain we're talking about. And I'm like, I really appreciate the amount of care you're giving to this, because you should be giving it so much more even than you are. Right. Like, because you're getting drunk, and, like, you set it to autopilot. Mm-hmm. Um well, Elijah Wood was, been... was the worst offender because he was stealing underwear. Yeah, no, he's, like, he is a absolute creep show. Yeah. But, like, how is this a thing that has not been aggressively shut down by the government? Yeah. Uh, that and bothers me like, less like... than laying on the ice. That's how I just want you to, I just need you to know how mad the ice made me. <laughs> no, my, 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 flu bl- my flu brain was racing during this, like, because I'm, like, like, it's obvious that they know that they're doing something shitty because, like, there's no advertisements for they are. Yeah. Like, like there's no, like... It's one of those things that like, you only know about it if you know about it. Mm-hmm. It's entirely word of mouth, which is the only way you can protect yourself in that sort of situation, right? Because if you're putting out ads for it, like, you are going to get shut down, I feel like. Yeah. It's it's interesting because I was, I was thinking about the concept, right? Like, if this was a real thing, where are the, like, where are the lines that you have to draw, right? Because... I was like, I like there was the old lady was sad. The old lady was there with her box of dog things, right? And she wanted to forget, I guess, that she had a dog. Um, that was sad. And I was like, that's sad, but not a good use of this technology. Uh, hiding grief, like it, like you gotta work through that. I don't think you. I don't. I don't think this tech should be used for that. The only thing I could see maybe it being used for is very traumatic, like PTSD, where there's like a hard thing. Maybe even in certain cases, from what I understand, not really possible to understand or deal with. You just have to cope. Oh, yeah. Like, if you're abused as a child yeah. or something like that. Yeah. But not, not the, the dog thing bothered me. I was like, no, you gotta, you just, you gotta deal with it. It's not that, like, it's circle of life. Like, you're going soon, too. Like, she didn't look too good. Like, it's it just, <laughs> you gotta, like, every, a lot of things about the movie bothered me. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, that one really like this is this should be extremely like over, like accountable to to like uh, some sort of board of people like it's one doctor and three fuck ups mm-hmm. doing this with no oversight yeah and one of those dudes is the dude who would be creeping on you raping you stealing your shit right. like I still can't get over how fucked up and creepy it is that he just like oh this girl dated that dude I'm just gonna take all the things she liked about him. And I'm gonna be that guy. Yeah, that is some serious psychopath shit. Uh huh. Get giving her like the the jewelry that would take exactly her taste. 
and all that. It's like, huh? Yeah, he uh, took the thing from the stuff that he gave yeah. him. Yeah. What the fuck? Uh, so twisted. Oh, oh, God, my skin's crawling, Al. Ah, he was a creep show. You know what? Yeah. Good job, Elijah Wood. You nailed it. You really did. Yeah. No, I mean, like, it's it's certainly not a failing. It's a success of Elijah Wood. It's just, I'm just, I, I don't want it to be. Yeah. I want him to go away. It's there was that, that when she, when he's uh, at her house and she's screaming at him to get away because she's freaking out yeah. about him being there. She and should. Then, but he's begging. He's, like, begging her, like, to, like, to listen to him. Al. He begs. Begs. I know. Like a dog. Sorry. It's super he, creepy. I just, I can't, I can't see that doctor and not think of the character from Batman. And that's why that, that line kept coming into my head anytime somebody did something along the lines of begging. It was just, <laughs> it's too much. Yeah, you kept calling him Carmine Falcone. Yeah, I can't think of his name is, in the movie. His name's Tom Wilkinson. His name's Tom Wilkinson. No, that's his, na- that's his name. What's the character's yeah. name? I don't know, Doctor something. <laughs> Dr. Falcone. <laughs> yes, Dr. Dr. Carmine for the Falcone. He didn't go to uh, gangster doctor school for uh, just to be called. Mister. <laughs> we should do awesome. We, maybe we shouldn't do awesome powers, but we, I need to watch that movie again. It's been a very long time since I've seen those. Uh, I catch that one every once in a while. It's on, sometimes it's on like a movie channel or on like a Comedy Central or something like that. Mm. Mm. Those movies are very silly. Dr. Dr. Merziak? Merziak? So, the movie doesn't hold up is the moral of the story. Yeah, this is not a good movie. And, this is a bad uh, movie. Yeah, it's not, not, not a fan. Not a fan. Uh, we'll, we'll not be watched. I might actually, you know what? I would actually probably watch the scene at, during the memory erasing again with, the, with the, the love triangle of the doctor, the receptionist, and the tech. Again, the great scene. I think overall, but um, yeah. otherwise, I'm not really interested in watching this movie again. Um, curious, do I revisit it in another ten years? And like, do I like it then? Like, how does this work? How does the, what is the cycle of this movie? <laughs> oh no! Now I'm old. Now I get yeah, it. right. It's like loop back. Uh, ugh, I just feel ugh after watching it. <laughs> yeah, it's a gr- it's a it's a grimy movie. All right. Do you have any other notes? Any other closing thoughts on this film? No, I think I've said my piece. <laughs> no, that's all for this week's episode of Flicks in the Six. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you have a movie for us to review or nuggets for us to discuss, you can send those requests to Flicks in the Six at SpinTune.com or tweet us at the SpinTune. Tune in next week for more movie and beer goodness. Until then, I'm Anthony Costanzo. I'm Al Bielsi. Meet me in Montauk. Hey!